Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. God bless you. And uh, if y'all ain't figured it out by now, I ain't from around here. (laughs) But uh, I do have a curious sense of, wow, I feel like I'm from here somehow, some way. And um, uh, this is really part two of what I have to say this morning. And so y'all get the tape from the first service. Y'all don't do tapes no more, do you? See, y'all ain't even laughing. That is a joke. <laughs> and it was so long ago that ever at churches did tapes that nobody even remembers that. Get the podcast, part two. See, that's what it says right there, opportunity part two. And I talked about opportunity, and it's important that you get that message because I talked about our attitudes. I didn't talk about your attitudes. I talked about our attitudes, our meaning really every human being, and how, how to really think about things in a different way in order to get traction so that we can be grateful in every circumstance, not for every circumstance, and there's a difference, and that's really hard, and so I talked about that, because that sets us up for some good things, and um, when, when, you know, there's a lot of commands, there's actually more, I think, uh, there's harder commands in the New Testament than there are in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament had like external things that you you did, but the but the New Testament talks about issues of the heart and issues of the inner man and issues of the attitude, like like this little command that's in Philippians: do everything without grumbling and complaining. And wow, <laughs> shoot fire! Why did he put that in there? <laughs> right? I mean, let's be honest. So I talked about that, and so, you know, go see what you think about that, because you're going to get the second part. Because the second part has to do with, um, you, you know, I told the first service that every time I come up here, I hear and feel this right here, on the brink. Like you all are on the brink of something that God wants to do. And I've, I've been coming up here for a few years, and, and I've, I'm so blessed to meet some of you. And um, I listened to the testimony service after y'all got back from the wilderness last summer. And somebody talked about this awesome and epic day that, y'all, that, that whatever hiking group had. It was something like 10 hours to go three miles climbing over the pickup stick, blow down tree, my whole mountainside. Do y'all remember that? Anybody? Is that guy who's in here? Is that guy in here? Who was that? Was that you? Anyway, and an astonishing piece of wisdom came out, and that was this person. Maybe it was you. I don't remember because I've been talking about this in multiple churches um, because this really is my thing about attitude. 
I got in the middle of that and I realized this is really cruddy. But I can't change the circumstance. So, you know who I need to change? I need to change me. Right? Which is, change the way you look at the situation. Because as hard as that was, and as hard as things in life like that are, those are our opportunities. Opportunities for great transformation. And so, I've heard from multiples of you that you've been praying and believing God, some of you, for revival and an outbreak of God for years. Some of you say, some of you say, amen, because you've been in on that. And like, I, I met a lady, um, maybe it was yesterday or the day before, who grew up here, like she was born here, she grew up here, she's been praying She's been in multiple churches around here. She told me all the history about how many church splits there have been and all the things. But the point is, there are people of God who have been asking Him for it to happen. And you can fill in the blanks, whatever it means to you. So I want you to think just a second, what is the it that you've been asking God for? And... You know, really, if you love God, sometimes the, the Lord can use anything, even our frustrations in the status quo, because we want to see change. And we, we match our current, you know, reality with, with what the Word of God says or, or, or what we know in our destiny in the heart of God that He wants. And if there's a disparity there, you know, it's, it's, it creates angst. And, and God uses that angst to fuel the cry of his people. Right? Circumstances should fuel the cry of his people toward God. Not stir up strife and contention and fights and, you know, things. But fuel a cry, the cry of God's people to him. And some of you have been crying out to God for it to happen. That it would be whatever revival, the outbreak. And I, what I hear when I come up here is it's, it's on the brink. It, the it is on the brink. But I got a word for you. Are you listening? The it that is happening is you. The it that you want to see happen is you. We, we are, um, we have this propensity as human beings to really miss things. And sometimes we as preachers, we're guilty of, of not pointing our thinking in the right direction. So let's get a couple things straight. Any... Any outpouring of God doesn't come down now from heaven. It comes out of the temple. It came down at Pentecost. And God can do whatever He wants to do. But you know, you see this book right here? This book is a manual on how to get along. You see how thick it is? That's because we don't do it so good naturally. We don't get along with God very easy. We don't get along with each other very easy. And we got to work at it. 
But where's the temple? Us. Who said that? Okay, yes. The temple is us. However, when we say us, we kind of throw off the focus onto others. We, we, the, we, when we say us, we create this collective scapegoat. <laughs> so I want us to change our words and say me. I am the temple. Everybody say I am the temple. <laughs> now the issue is, so what's the, what's the purpose or the destiny of the temple? The purpose of the destiny of the temple is to house the presence of God on the earth. Now it used to be a building. He changed that. Now it's our bodies. We are, we are a living temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 5 and 6. I think it's 5 and 6, somewhere in there. I know it's in 3 and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's in 5 and 6. So if we love God, if we, if we got born again... He made our bodies the temple. We are bearers of the presence of God on this earth. And you know, there's a prophecy that says the glory of the presence of God is going to cover the earth. You know how? You know how? Because His temple has two feet. And we are commanded to go. That's how. Now, the outbreak that you want to see happen is directly proportional to how well you love each other. That's why it's a big deal. Unity is a big deal. You, did you know that you can love somebody and, and not be at peace with them? Did you know that? So, so in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, maintain the, Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So if the devil can break our bond of peace with one another, he can destroy our unity because what holds our unity together is our peace with one another. And so, that's a free sermonette. That's not really what I'm going to talk to you about today. Hey, look at there. Can y'all believe that? So... When God comes, He comes out of you. He doesn't fall down from heaven now. And the more unified you are, and the more at peace with one another you are, and the more, the, which is directly proportional to your skill at expressing your love and the heart of God toward one another, when you get that going, the more intact that is, the more vibrancy of the presence of God there is. God never designed His intentions for, you know, you know, you read about revivals. I know that, that, that Pastor Quentin has studied revivals and he's read all kinds of books. And, and I've read a few of those. And something happens and there's an outbreak. And it burns and it goes and then it goes away. Isn't that aggravating? Not designed to be that way. And sometimes the Lord will do things like that in order to try to get our attention and get us to pay attention to Him and get us going all in the right direction. And usually when that happens, invariably something comes out of man that's not helpful that, that does what? It breaks the bond of peace and people start fighting. 
And when you've, you can fight with somebody you love, but the quality of your unity is not very good. So you can love someone and not have peace with them. And if, I can promise you, if you don't have peace like the real thing, then unity is going to be low. And without unity, the Spirit of God is not going to link up and form a corporate body and be among us in a way that's extraordinary and that the eternity that God embedded in our hearts call for. Everybody's hungry for it. Everybody's hungry for it. And so I want us to think about that. One of the big, now this is really what I want to talk about today. One of the biggest hindrances in our minds from engaging in these things in obedience. Because how many of you in here want to be, want to be obedient to God and His Word? Yeah, like if you're saved, even people, not, even, even unsaved people, they have things in them. They want to be obedient to God. They want to not steal. They don't start off wanting to be unfaithful to their spouse. They want to be faithful. They want to have a good name. I mean, most people, they want to have a good name. Used to, we could do business in this country on a handshake by the strength of your name. They want it to be. And there were people who believed in that that didn't know God. Why? Because inside us, we want to be obedient to the things that are right. Is this true or is this not true? And so there's something right here. You're waiting on something to happen. The it that God has spoken into your heart. But what so often times we're distracted from is seeing this. That we are the it that is happening. Jesus in you is what is happening. And if you get that going together, the more you grow in love, the more power there is the more extraordinary things begin to break out. And this is all reflected by how you follow Jesus together. And so let's do it. Because you can. His stuff so often distracts us. What are his stuff? Miracles burning bush, supernatural world. Our stuff also distracts us, like learning, ministry, philosophy, doctrine, the quality of worship. Look, y'all, it's not about the stuff. It's about Jesus. Those things are awesome. I love signs and wonders. What do signs do? They point somewhere. They indicate something. They give information about something or some place. It's not, the sign is not the destination. Like, I like signs, you know. I like them. I want to know. Like, when I get somewhere and, let's see, get somewhere. When I get somewhere. If you think about the English about get somewhere. When I get somewhere, I want to know, am I there? Well, a sign can tell me that. Right? You know how that works? But, but. The destination is what I'm interested in once I know, and the sign points to it. I don't go out there. I don't really care if the sign's rusty as long as it tells me if where I wanted to go, I got there. Does that make sense? 
Okay, everybody, go to Luke chapter 10. Because there's something here that's a little bit aggravating. We don't like it. Well, I'm not going to say you don't like it. I'm telling you, I didn't like it. (laughs) We'll see if you like it. Luke chapter 10, verse 3, it says, He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. And then he gives them more instructions. And, and look, some of y'all, you went to the wilderness with him. We put stuff in your bag, didn't we? Like there are some essential things that I knew would increase the quality of your trip, although when you got out there, you would have no way of measuring whether it was quality or not. It would just be your experience, right? But there's some people who know, like, look here, if you don't take a sleeping mat, you're not going to sleep very well for most people. Go and don't take... Don't take what you think you need. That's what he was saying. You see that? Like that's what in the world? Do y'all see it? Well, this bothers me. Don't it bother you? Because all of us are like this. We have this, we have this habit. That we assess what we think we need and we don't go until we have it. And the devil exploits that against us. Now look, I'm not against preparation. I am not. We have a whole school built around preparing and equipping. But sometimes that idea can work against us and we think I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I don't have enough. Anybody ever thought about That fact in God, I don't have enough. God starts to stir you. He puts something in your heart. He says, go do this. And immediately we list the reasons why we can't. Why we're not ready. Why we're not prepared. Well, I don't know enough about. Where's Garrett and Lish? Are they in here? There they are. See them two people? These are awesome people that y'all robbed us of. No, you didn't rob them. We sent them up here. And, and you're welcome, because they're awesome <laughs> folks. But Garrett and Lish, um, they knew their destiny was to help us train missionaries, and so um, we told them, and they knew, you got to become missionaries in order to make missionaries, and, and God told me that, and I didn't really like to hear that too much. And, um, but I listened, and I went, and I... I sent them to Nicaragua to open up Nicaragua for us as a country where we have work in and they never had been missionaries before. Now, if you know anything about that, that's really not very fair. And I'm sure that more than one time they thought, uh, and it worked. People they discipled are thriving and moving and they're making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Like, like it, it worked. That's what's supposed to happen. But I can guarantee you it didn't happen because they waited until they got all the things that they put on their list that they thought they would need before. So they went because I sent them. They didn't go because they said, okay, now we're ready. 
They went because they were sent. True or not true? Yes. And what did Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers of you ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into this harvest field. Go, I am sending you. And then he said, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't even be polite and talk to anybody on the way. Like, that seems so counterproductive, counterintuitive. And what was he doing? Why? Well, he asked a question. Look at Luke 22. This is the other equation. Y'all look up Luke chapter 22, verse 35. Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you without a purse, bag, or sandals. Now, do we all agree that we just read that when he did that? It is indeed that then. Go without what you think you need, is what he told them. Don't take the things. He didn't, they weren't trying to take abundance. He listed essential things, didn't he? Did you lack anything once you got there? Nothing, they answered. Then he says, right here, okay, now that you understand how it works, I sent you without what you think you need. I sent you out. Did it work? Did everything work out okay or not? Did you lack anything? No, we didn't. Then he says, okay, now you can take your bag, your purse, and your sandals. Now that you learned how this really works, his point wasn't against the bag or the cloak or the sandals. He's not anti-preparation. He is anti-trust anything but Him. And, newsflash, He fills in all the gaps anyway. Actually, that's by design. My weakness shows His strength. My lack shows His strength. My voids give Him an opportunity to fill them up. He's the provider. Let me, look, it's in another place. Look at Matthew chapter... uh, 14. Let's see if I'm right. Oh, yes, I'm right. I'm sure I'm right. Somebody told me one time, you just think you're always right. And I said, duh, of course I think I'm always right. Why would I be a way I thought was wrong? That would be wicked. (laughs) Know it all. Matthew 14. Look at this, 13. Jesus, when Jesus heard what had happened... He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed the sick. As evening approached, his disciples came to him and he said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then... Here's what we all say to God every time He tells us to do something. Because newsflash, if it's Him that's talking, it's going to be impossible. 
Why? Everybody smile. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what is not of faith is sin. And God doesn't want that, so he sets us up. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Here's what we all say. But we don't have enough. Verse 17. We don't got enough. Isn't that what they said? Well, that's not. Okay. Okay, look. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes, Lord, they answered. Which is them saying, we ain't got enough. I ain't got enough. We, as the anchor church, we ain't got enough. We need something else. We need more. We need better sandals. We need, we need Louis Vuitton purses. We need better cloaks. How about better rain gear, God? Oh, man, what is wrong with y'all? It was two degrees when I woke up up here this morning. Them big old crawdads y'all have up here are frozen today, buddy. What is the problem? I need a coat. Help me, Jesus. I came up here without a coat. Stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. That's just dumb. But I got up here and it was fine. Y'all got heaters up here in Maine at the end of the world. Like it's fine. It turned out fine. Yes. Actually, she's getting on to me, but I just know it's another chance for me to buy another piece of gear because I left that at home. So, <laughs> ain't that right? <laughs> I don't have enough. We always say that I don't have enough. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. And Jesus is saying on purpose, go and don't take what you think you need. Now, he's not being anti-education. He's not being anti-preparation. He's not being anti-maturity. He's not, that's not what he's doing. His point is he wants us to understand where the source of life is. It is him. It's who. It's not what. We are distracted by what. My relationship with my father is not based on what I believe. It's based on who I know. What I believe comes from who I'm knowing. What I believe doesn't define who I know. Who I know defines what I believe. And we got to keep who and what straight. Like who and what's a big deal. Pastor Quentin had me talk about one angle of who, who, and, who and what and identity and all those things. And, and it's important. But let's not be distracted by what, because if we live in what, we're going to go, I don't have enough. I don't have enough of the what. You want me to do what? Listen, how about this one? Some of us wait till we have such a powerful encounter because we believe that that powerful encounter will transform us. Encounters don't transform. Encounters impact. But they do not transform. They catalyze things inside us that cause us to make decisions about things. There's a very famous encounter written in the Bible. Let's look at it. It's with Moses. It's in Exodus chapter 3. Let's go look at it. 
And, and, and I want us to understand, sometimes we read the Bible, and we read about the heroes in the Bible, and we think, wow, we think about all the reasons why they were more special than us. But guess what? They were just normal people who responded to God. Right? And so Exodus chapter 3 says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Oreb. Have you ever felt like you on the far side of the desert? As in, you know, the near side would be close to the gas station where you can get some water. But the far side is far away from anything. You ever felt like that? You far, you're on the far side of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. So Moses thought, wow, that's weird. I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. You see, he's watching what we do when he does weird stuff. And he wants to know. Not until he saw what Moses did in reaction to that weird thing. That was weird. You light a bush on fire and it's not getting burned up. God does weird stuff sometimes. Not just to be weird, but he's doing something because he's watching our response. Right? Okay, so this is a powerful encounter. Everybody agree that this is a powerful encounter? Like, like, like oh man, this is famous. This encounter was so powerful it changed history. We're still talking about this encounter. And so he goes through here and then he, then he tells Moses... I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh. You need to read this. Moses has an argument with God. How you do that? Uh-uh. Like, lay on your face. I want you to go speak to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. And you, what did Moses say? And who, who knows the story? Well, okay, fine. Since y'all are pagans and Bible, biblically illiterate, let's read it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm giving you comic relief. You're sitting there going, that wasn't very funny. <laughs> All of chapter 3, strange sight. And he goes, and Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. Boy, there's a bunch of stuff there, but I can't talk about it. i got to go by. Then he said, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and Hittites and all the termites and the, all the ites. And now the cry of Israelite had reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, 
I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So, wow, like he's got all this sign and all this horsepower and power being demonstrated in front of him. And what what happens? He's assailed with self-doubt. And it happens to every one of us every time. Doesn't it? And I'm pretty astonished that God tolerated this much pushback from Moses. Because there's a bunch here. And he actually got mad at him. But he didn't, like, he didn't kill him and the ground didn't open up and swallow him because he was aggravated with him. He just actually acquiesced to him a little bit. And I find this whole exchange extraordinary. Right? So he's having this powerful encounter. He's hearing these... He's hearing audibly this encounter that he's having and the angel of the Lord is there with a sign that's like this ain't natural, like something different's going on and he realizes who it is. And he's still going, I don't have enough. I'm not the guy. You see? Moses said, who am I? I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What am I going to tell them? Man, he's lost. Look, we have a saying in the South, lost is Cooter Brown. Do y'all know who Cooter Brown is? I don't know who he is either, but every time I hear about him, he's lost. (laughs) I've told that, I've said that a thousand times in pulpits. Every time people laugh, and so y'all keep laughing, I keep saying. (laughs) God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am, so he's addressing Moses' concern. Like, this doesn't compute. He knows, oh my, the, cre- the God of my fathers created the universe. He's asking me to do something. And now I'm worried about little bitty details about how I'm going to look and whether I, whether I can do this or not. Well, see, so Moses was a big deal. I'm not dare talk about Moses in a negative way because somebody got leprosy when they complained about him. He was God's friend. His own sister got, was griping about him and, and God said, how dare you? He's my friend. And he let her get a little leprosy to prove the point. Then he healed her. It's right in the book, I'm telling you. So, Father, I'm not talking bad about Moses. All I'm saying is... All I'm saying is we're just like him. And he was an extraordinary person. But what made him extraordinary... You see, here's what we think. If I can just have, I, if I can just have this, this massive encounter, it will change me into somebody I am not now. But Mo- Moses standing there having this, one of the most incredible encounters recorded in all of history, and it did not unhumanize him and turn him into a super Christian. 
it did increase his humility, and that's kind of what's showing up here. And that's one of the reasons God liked him was his humility. That's what he told Miriam, his sister, when she was griping about him. How dare you complain about him? He's my friend. Don't you know that he's the most humble man on the face of the earth? That's what God said about Moses. There he is, talking about somebody again. Like, what is it that God's going to say about you? And we shouldn't go, oh, I could never do it. No, he's saying to God, I don't think I can. What happens if they don't listen to me? What happens if I go try to do what you said? You said go lead my people out. What if they won't follow me? What if, what if, what if, whole chapter of what if. And God's responding in patience. And then Moses answered chapter 4 verse 1. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. He encourages him in his, in his mind, in his heart. He is showing him. He's giving him this sign. And he put power in his hands too. Do you see it? Throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground. It turned into a snake. And wow. And, and all these signs and wonders. Power. Buddy, that's power. I mean, this is a guy you should not mess with. I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about his friend, Moses. Right? Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak. And he said, Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, he restored it like the rest of his flesh. Do you see? He gave him the command. He said, I'm sending you. And he put power in his hands. All that. Like he's watching those things. Even that didn't change him. He still got doubts, you see. Look at this. Then the Lord said, if they don't believe you or pay attention to you, the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. He's not even saying they will. The guy who could guarantee the results is not even guaranteeing his results. Well, maybe if this don't work, maybe that will. That's what God said to him. I'm like, don't like that. That's uncomfortable. That steps all over my pride. Your brother-in-law said something to me the other day. He said, look, when you go out to do this, you got to leave your pride at home because they're going to step all over it. And I'm thinking, that's good advice. We just need to leave our pride at home because it's going to get stepped all over. Because let me tell you something, obedience is about one thing. It's about obedience only. It's not about any guarantee of any result. we got to get a copy on that. And we got to hook our joy and our energy to obedience and not to the results that we presuppose we think He's going to do. Because God the Father did not give Moses any guarantees. What if they don't listen? Well, just try this. And then if they won't listen to you, then try that. And if they don't listen, then try that over there. Here, I'm putting in your hands the opportunity for them to listen. Because I'm turning you into an opportunity for them to respond. And that's what you and I are. We are an opportunity for people to respond. 
We are God's opportunity. You are God's opportunity. You are. And he's given us signs. I guarantee you, every one of you in here, somehow God has made himself known to you. And every one of you, he's put power in your hands. And we want to say, I don't feel ready, which means I don't have any guarantees. But the thing that he's guaranteed is that you are the most extraordinary opportunity for somebody to encounter. And you are not responsible for their response. So Moses keeps going, but even after all that, he's still unchanged. He's impacted. I can promise you he's impacted. He's responding. He took the sandals off. He's there. He went over there. But he's not changed yet. Impact is one thing. Change is another. And God's okay with that. He understands that. And Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Do you see what he's saying? This encounter hasn't erased my weakness. This encounter hasn't, it hasn't transformed me. It's impacted me. It's empowered me. It's done all these things, but it hadn't changed me. I'm still me, and you want me to do the thing that I'm worst at. Go and speak? I can't talk well. How many of you have ever heard about the, you know, the, the Gallup poll thing called Strength Finders? And we, we, we have people take that because we want to set them up for success and we're supposed to put people in their strengths because it's where they thrive. But that's not what God did. That's not what he did right here. And in essence, listen, it's our weakness that shows the strength of God. So we need to change our attitude about our weaknesses. They are precious to God because they accentuate the opportunity that we have in Him. Well, that's a different way to look at it, ain't it? Oh, sorry, isn't it? However, we finally won. We got ain't in the, in the dictionary. Finally. Oh, I got so many marked off English papers. But we've won. <laughs> Then the Lord said, Who gave the man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or t- makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. Oh, okay, now he gets a guarantee. God gives him his word. I'm going to fill in your gaps, son. I'm going to teach you myself. Does that make any difference to Moses? No, not right here in a moment. But Moses... Oh, man, but stop butting me like I'm not a goat. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned. I told you all God got mad at him. Hey, look, we need to let God be God. It says right here he got mad at him. The love of God is so good. He can never be aggravated with me. That's not true. That is just not true. And newsflash, he does have expectations for every single one of us. 
But he's all in the middle of transforming us to meet the expectations that he has. The solution is not to turn God into somebody who doesn't care and who's some mealy-mouthed bowl of jello that has no substance who doesn't have any expectations. He's got a bunch of them. Read about all of them right here. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, Okay, fine. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can talk well. If you don't want me to teach you how to talk, Okay, fine, I'll use your brother, but I'm still sending you. Because I picked you. Because you're humble. Mm, and I'm mad about it right now. <laughs> it's right here. Like, he's not, he's like not some version of a celestial Michelin tire man. Puffy, poof, fluffy. I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will help both of you speak and you, and will teach you what to do and he will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. This is an extraordinary exchange that we like go over, but we are, listen y'all, do you see yourself in here anywhere? We can see the signs. Some, some, I know some of you, some of you have been in some amazing moves of God. You've been impacted, but you've not been changed. You're still the same. So am I. I've had extraordinary, extraordinary encounters that have impacted me deeply. And I've responded to Jesus which resulted in change because of those things. That's how it's designed to work. We in our nature say, I don't have enough. And Jesus is saying, I'm sending you on purpose without all the stuff you think you need. So that once you get out there after the fact, in retrospect, you look behind you and say... Wow, look what you did, God, which is exactly what happens to Garrett and Lish. I know every time they hear her, they go down to Nicaragua and see what they started. It's amazing. Yes, other people went there. Some people plant, some people water, but it's God that does everything, right? And it, didn't, it had absolutely nothing to do with how, how many tools they had in their tool bag. How much experience they had. All the different things. What's that? We have the opportunity to really see substantive change in a whole nation. It won't be very long and we will be discipling people in every single segment of the society. We are discipling the chief of staff of the vice president. Why? Because Jesus... It's not because I said, I, I got to wait till I think I'm ready before I go do that. I can promise you, I was not ready when I went to the mission field. I couldn't speak Spanish. Audrey had to write down my messages. She wrote them down. Here was my strategy. Do what? In Spanish. She wrote them down in Spanish because I could pronounce the words. So I would tell her, here's what I want to say. She'd write it down on one piece of paper. Wow, that sounds like a successful missionary, doesn't it? Here's what I did. I went there. I'd read a verse, 
in Spanish and say, Amen. And I'd read another verse and I'd say, Glory, hallelujah. And I'd, I'd read another verse and I'd say, Amen. Glory, hallelujah. And then I would read a verse and I would say, Amen. And I would say, Praise God. That's, that was it right there. That's where my career as a, as a missionary preacher started. I, did, I didn't even learn the language before I went. That's, that's another dumb thing. You know why? Because God told me, get down there and don't take what you think. It'll work out in a minute. And I said to him 6,000 times, I don't have enough. You give them something to eat. I don't got enough to give them. Like, and the rest of that verse is, bring me what you have. Give me those loaves and fish. And then the disciples turned over to him the little that they have. He blessed it. And you know that, that title, and I can gripe about the title, the little heading in there, because it's not inspired. Some man put that in there. It says, Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's actually a lie. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. The disciples are the ones who passed the food out. Now, it was the power of God that was multiplying the food, but them disciples did the feeding. Isn't that awesome? So here's the thing. Take the little that you have, bring it to Jesus. He blesses it, he gives it back, and you got to go do the work, and it will succeed. What will succeed? An opportunity will gain proximity to someone to respond to it. That's what will succeed. Here's the thing. God told some things to Moses. He told the same thing to Gideon, and he told the same thing to us. And I, I just want to highlight them to you real quick. We're reading about Moses, but look at Exodus 3.12. Exodus 3.12, and God said to Moses, I will be with you. You know the story of Gideon? You need to read the story of Gideon. It's really cool. It's, an, it's very similar dynamics, different circumstances, similar dynamics. Judges chapter 6. Let's go there real quick. Now look, we're going to be coming back to Exodus 3, so if you can hold your place there. Judges 6. God picks an unlikely person who said, I'm weak, I'm from the smallest family, how did you pick me? He wants him to build an army, and then he got thousands of people together, and God said, there are too many, whittle them down, whittle them down, whittle them down. He whittled them down to a few hundred men, and then he said, if, there, if, if all of you go out there and do this, you'll claim that it was by the strength of your hand that you did this. You see, it's the same point. Go and don't take what you think you need because it's about me. I want to have this partnership with you. You are the it that is happening. Love each other well and go without what you think you need and it retrospectively speaking, you will see extraordinary things happen. You will get no guarantees of any success. But what he has made you is somebody's opportunity to meet the master. 
And here's what he's saying. Go, I'm sending you and Gideon. He didn't think he had it. And look at verse 12. Oh, that's Judges. I'm in Joshua. They both start with J. Judges 6, 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now you can see right here, verse 13, But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, and why has all this happened? Oh, man. If that's true, like, this, this doesn't match. And that's what we say. You see, God said, What did he say? I'm with you, to Moses. He told Gideon, I'm with you. And he had his human doubts. I don't know. I don't think, I don't, if that's true, then why? That's okay. God in dialogue with that. Let's go to Matthew 28 and see if he might have said this to us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who's, who's he talking to? Well, he was talking to the disciples, but he wrote it down. And it's in third person plural, so he's talking to me. Everybody say he's talking to me. It's okay if you say, I don't have enough. He's sending us on purpose without the stuff we think we need. Why? So that we can understand that really... The thing that he guarantees is that we are someone's opportunity to meet him. That's the guarantee. Are we commissioned? He's with us, but do we have a commission and a command? Well, look at what it says in Exodus 3.10. God sent Moses. He verbally told him, I'm sending you. Go. He told the same thing to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 14. Go, save Israel from Midian's hand. I'm with you. Once we got that settled, now go. And the go verse in, in Luke 10 is go without. Go without the stuff that you think you need because I've really made you and given you the things that you really need which is dependence on me do you see it? I'm with you go wow hmm. um, how about Matthew 28 19 therefore go and make disciples who's that talking to? he said I'm with you to Moses. He said, I'm with you to Gideon. He said, I'm with you. We just read it. To me and you. Now he said, go to Moses. He said, go to Gideon. He's saying, go to you and I. The whole reason I'm up here is because of that two-letter word, go. I go around the world. And your go is associated with your neighbor and the people around you. And some of you 
He will send you way beyond any location you've ever been or thought about going. But he's saying, I'm with you. Go. Do you see that? I'm sending you. Well, what about power? Well, we read about the power that he put in Moses' hand, didn't we? He put a rod in his hand, but he also just straight up put signs and wonders in his hand without anything in it. Put your hand in your cloak. Like, oh, wonder if he did that for Gideon. Oh, wow, glad you asked. Look at verse 16 of chapter 6. What does it say? Somebody read it. Gideon, or Judges 6, 16. I'll be with you, and you will strike down. Power in his hands. You see that? Has he given us power? How about Mark 16? They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. We get distracted by this stuff, but it matters because God has been doing the same thing with human beings for a long time. He did it with Moses. He did it with Gideon. As a matter of fact, you could probably make a case that he did it with every single person that was used of God anywhere in history. And I'm a witness. He certainly has done it with me because I have... I have dialogued with him for chapters why I don't measure up and why I don't have enough and why I can't. And he just dealt with that. And I said, yes. Everybody stand up. You know, all the reasons that we list why we can't are the the things that show the greatness of God once we do. Now, it's funner talk about it after we get over there and we're looking backwards on the amazing thing that happened but problems are opportunities every miracle that we've ever seen comes from somebody's problem and I want to encourage you you can you matter you are the thing that God is doing you don't need to wait on the thing anymore you don't need to wait. I, I, I get it if you don't feel equipped. I promise I get it. That's why you have a local church and you have a wonderful pastor that can teach the word and, and you're sharpening each other's and you're doing the thing like you're doing the thing. Like you, there's hunger here. Like I feel it. I run into it every time I come. But sometimes wrong thinking keeps us infected with the great no action disease and and the enemy spends that desire for us in us that I really want to succeed for God but I don't think I can I am with you I am sending you I empower you I am with you I am sending you. I empower you. I am with you. I send you. I empower you. Start making decisions. And start taking actions. In small bites.
I, I, I know, I know people feel inadequate. That's why we have an academy. There are question marks that people have. And they want to engage in a direction where they feel stirred because God's made something clear to them. Or they have a suspicion that God wants to make something clear. Oh, that's okay. That's why we have an 11-month academy. We can talk to you about that. You sent. You sent someone from here. Give me five. You matter. You what is happening so be incited in your spirit to respond to God now I want to pray for you just a second I want everybody to close your eyes because I don't want you to be distracted by the people or, or what's around you and I want to ask you something If you feel stirred and you know, okay, wow, I identify with that. That Moses fella, man, I identify with that. And I've had chapters of pushback on God, and I've told him, and I've asked him, what if? And I've told him it's scary, and I've told him I I can't, or I don't measure up, or, you know, or, or maybe you tried and you felt like, the call was equal to guarantees of whatever it is that you term as success and it didn't quite work out the way you thought or whatever, you know, the Lord, you give them something to eat and and you assess honestly like what you have and oh, it's just I don't got enough. I don't got enough here. And somewhere along the way, the, the enemy distracted us from the following statement and that is, bring me the little that you have. Give me out of the lack that you have. And so what I want to do is I want to call you to respond to God. Can you bring the lack that you have to Him? And if you, if you, or maybe you've, like, you've figured this out and you've been down a journey and you've seen things, but... It's this reoccurring nature of, of the daunting task that may be in your face a little bit. And you know that what you have and what you've gained still is not enough. And Jesus is saying, bring that to me. And I want to I I give you an opportunity. Just come up here if, if you want to bring the little that you have to Jesus. And I want to pray over you. If you're saying, oh, identify that, I could just come on up a little. Let's, let's make room for people behind you. Y'all come. Listen, this is real, and I know where it is. I know it's real life. And it's okay. Look, man, put yourself in company with Moses and the disciples. That's some pretty good company. They all dealt with this stuff. We all deal with it. Come on. You want to bring the little that you have to Jesus because of your intention to say yes to it. 
but you know that if he doesn't if he doesn't take it and bless it and give it back to you it'll only go so far it won't, it won't feed the 5,000 but he's going to do the miracle he's going to do it he doesn't reject people that respond to him is there anybody out there that might feel so much lack maybe you're playing a game and you've you never met Jesus and if, if you're there and you don't know him you need to meet Jesus in a real way raise your hand so I'm going to pray for you corporately and then we're going to pray for each of you and you know everybody makes mistakes everybody David, King David made some really bad mistakes but let me tell you something if Jesus has left you breathing that's him saying to you that he's still in the game with you and he wants to work with you you haven't you haven't you haven't derailed your life I know you reap what you sow and there are consequences but that's way different than than uh, de- you know than making it be where God can never use you or interact, interact with you or, or that you can never engage and begin to say yes to Him. So if you feel like, for whatever reason, that you've made a mistake, and the mistake could be not responding to Him. The mistake could be something really bad or you thinking something bad. It doesn't make, make any difference what it is. If you feel like you've made a mistake I'm we're here to tell you that Jesus is the big mistake fixer that's what the ministry of reconciliation is we started off in a big mistake it's called sin and so he died in order to erase those things and we wrestle with that and we deal with the those things and transformation as a process so if you feel like you've made a mistake and the devil's trying to choke the life out of you because of that and stop you from responding to God and saying yes and moving forward and and seeing the most extraordinary expression of an opportunity for someone else to meet Jesus come up here Father in the name of Jesus thank you thank you for your work thank you for those that have responded enough to get up and come down here and thank you for those that have responded and there haven't moved physically but in their heart in their mind they're engaged with you do your work Lord touch of heaven Father because what we're doing is we're responding to you we're bringing the little that we have and we're saying to you please Lord we desperately need you to go beyond ourselves take the little that we have bless it return it back to us so that we can when we go extraordinary things flow from our hands just like a staff you put in Moses hand just like might you put on Gideon just like power and might you put on the disciples you've done the same thing because you are with us you have sent us and called us you have empowered us in Jesus name Thank you for joining us today. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.